Hello and welcome to this podcast. My name is Steve Kramer and as you may already know, recently I've been working with my wife Pippa on Daily Hope, which is a free phone line aimed at those who don't use the internet and therefore can't access things like this podcast or our weekly church service. As part of that, I've been researching the stories behind some well-known hymns and one of these I thought was particularly relevant for the times we're living in now. And so with many apologies, if you've already listened to Hymns We Love on Daily Hope, today I'd like to look at the story behind the hymn, It Is Well With My Soul. It was written by an American lawyer called Horatio Spafford after a period of immense grief and pain. And yet it tells a story of peace, hope and comfort. At the beginning of 1871, the 42-year-old Horatio was in a good place. He had been married to Anna for 10 years, they had five lovely children, and he had a successful career as a lawyer. But over the next two years, their world fell apart. First, their young son died. Then they lost most of their wealth in the Great Fire of Chicago. For a change of scenery, they decided to visit Britain. But at the last moment, some business issues meant Horatio had to stay behind. And so Anna and their four girls went ahead, with Horatio due to follow a few days later. But halfway across the Atlantic, the ship Anna was travelling in was hit by another vessel. The ship sank in just 12 minutes, and in the chaos that followed, 226 people died. Anna was found unconscious but alive, floating on a plank of wood. However, all four of their daughters, Annie, Maggie, Bessie and Tanetta, had drowned. When she eventually reached land in Wales, Anna sent a telegram to her husband. It simply said, saved alone. What shall I do? Horatio immediately left Chicago to join her, his ship passing right over the very spot where his daughters had died. But despite the loss of all his children and most of his wealth, he determined to focus his gaze on God as the only place he could find peace. There's just one thing in these days that's become magnificently clear, he said. I must not lose faith. And with God as his focus and strength, he wrote the words for this beautiful hymn. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, Whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. The story of the Spaffords is a heartbreaking one, but also an inspiring one as we try to understand how in the midst of such adversity and grief, he could find a level of peace that enabled him to respond with so much hope. And as I've looked at the lives of Horatio and Anna and taking some inspiration from Tim Keller's helpful book, Walking with God Through Pain and Suffering, I'd like to suggest five things that might help us find peace in difficult times. And these are thinking, thanking, loving, trusting and hoping. In Philippians chapter 4, Paul explains how he has learned to be content in any and every situation. He says, the Lord is near. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. 
Paul seems to be saying that this level of God-given peace is not something that comes naturally, but rather something that, like Paul, we can learn to find in any and every situation. And if we do learn it, it will guard our hearts and minds. It will surround us and protect us. God's not promising to take us out of whatever difficult situation we may be in, but he is promising that his presence will bring such peace so to overcome and protect us from our natural reactions of fear, pain and grief. And we start this journey of learning by thinking. In the same passage, Paul goes on to say, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Paul's challenging us to focus our thoughts on God and all that he has done for us. Now, that's not about the human power of positive thought or living in a daydream world of puppy dogs and fluffy sheep. It's about facing the hard realities of life, but still choosing to think on all that God has done for us. And this is what Horatio Spafford did. He, he wrote, on Thursday last, we passed over the spot where she went down in mid-ocean, the waters three miles deep. But I don't think of our dear ones there. They are safe, folded, the dear lambs. Horatio knew his girls were safe with Jesus, and that is what he chose to think on. But as well as thinking, Paul encourages us to be thanking. He says, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Reflecting on all that God has done for us is not just a cerebral exercise, but should lead to a heartfelt, thankful response. Just as it's important to say thank you when someone helps us, so it is important to say thank you to God. Not because he needs the encouragement or has an ego that needs massaging, but because it helps us to get ourselves and God in the right places. It gives us the right perspective. And if we do this, it'll take us from thanking to loving. Because it's, not, because it's important not just to think about the right things, but to love the right things. It's a simple fact that we will search for peace and meaning in whatever we love most, be that money, status, friends or God. Now, of course, there's nothing wrong with loving all sorts of things from our gardens to our closest family. And God is certainly not calling us to love them any less. He just wants us to love him above all of them. It's not the bigness of our love for the people and things around us, but the smallness of our love for God. That Paul is challenging us on. And there can be no doubt that just how much Horatio loved his daughters. But he was able to find peace, the kind of peace which makes no sense, which transcends understanding, because his love for God was even bigger. And that gave him a perspective that enabled him to trust God. He found that a life of thinking, thanking and loving God had enabled him to keep trusting God through the very toughest of times. Horatio couldn't see the big picture. He couldn't make sense of the tragedy. He couldn't see a reason for it, but he knew and loved God enough to be able to trust him in this darkest of times. And we may find ourselves in a similar situation where the pain we are going through makes no sense, seems unfair, maybe even cruel. There are no easy answers in such a situation. 
as Evelyn Underhill noted, if God was small enough to be understood, he wouldn't be big enough to be worshipped. But by thinking, thanking and loving the right things, with our eyes fixed on God, we can learn to trust, even when we don't understand. And that leads us to the final step. After thinking, thanking, loving and trusting, comes hoping. The ultimate promise for all of us who grieve now is that one day God himself will be with us. He will wipe away every tear from our eyes and there'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. This is the life transforming living hope that every Christian can cling to. And this is the hope that gives us an eternal perspective on our current pains and fears. It doesn't change the situation and it doesn't change the pain we feel, but it can give us a peace that transcends all understanding, that will guard our hearts and minds in the firm knowledge that in the end, no matter what else happens, we will be safe in the hands of God. <laughs>